know, World Affairs Council members share truly a love for travel. And many of you joining us today have embarked on journeys with us to learn about different cultures and countries. In fact, some of you have already traveled with me and I bet you recognize this backdrop behind me. It's from Sidibou Said and about 20 miles uh, away from the capital of Tunisia, Tunis. And it's the view I had out of my window when I lived in, in Tunis. So you can see how happy I am when I go back there. You know, uh, another way to travel with World Affairs Council is to go to uh, the site for the World Affairs Council of Philadelphia. That's wacphila.org because they have just so many trips. And again, uh, truly uh, scores of our members uh, from Dallas-Fort Worth and across the country have gone with Philadelphia, as well as some of the trips that we organize at the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. And I'm Jim Falk, president of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Well, of course, global travel has come to a, a fast halt last year, but you can keep on learning. And one way to learn is with this wonderful partnership we established with the Stranger's Guide. And it's such a wonderful way to inspire and, and keep alive the wonderlust that we all have. And uh, I'm not gonna tell you a whole lot about the magazine right now because I'm so pleased that we have the co-founder and publisher, Abby Rabapore with us. But before I bring her into the conversation, let me just remind you that to keep up with programs at our World Affairs Council, just go to dfwworld.org. And I really do ask and hope that you'll share our programs uh, with your friends, social media. And to keep up, you can also go to our YouTube, YouTube channel. And of course, that is DFW World. Um, I wanna thank our sponsor for this program as well as all of our programs under the Global Forum and that is Billingsley Company. And Lucy, I hope you're watching because no one travels and has more adventures than Lucy Billingsley. So Abby, welcome. I'm not gonna read this introduction that uh, our staff kindly prepared for me because I want you to tell us about your life. You know, all of us, uh, I suspect many of us have thought about, you know, I'd like to have a bed and breakfast. Um, I'd like to own a restaurant. And you know, it'd really be fun to be an editor of a magazine. So, uh, but we know there's some real challenges for that. <laughs> so how did you get into this? Oh my goodness. Well, I, um, I always loved journalism and I was a huge, hugely nerdy child. Uh, so I was really into, I, when I was in, I think the third grade, I told my friends, we should really start a school newspaper. And we created like a little, you know, Xerox sheet that, you know, um, so it was, I had the bug early. Um, I loved storytelling. And um, I, I think I always particularly really like the idea of telling stories no one else was telling, right? So there's sort of two kinds of journalists, I think. They're the journalists who want to get the story first that everyone's chasing. And they're the folks who want to, you know, go out to the places where no one is. And I was definitely always more drawn to the, to the latter. Um, I was a political reporter in Texas for a number of years um and one of my kind of favorite experiences as a young reporter was getting to go to you know far east and far west texas and you know travel with these state reps you know whose districts could be six hours in you know in in each direction to um to that may be a little bit of an exaggeration but certainly three hours in each direction to um to explore you know their experiences and the experiences of their constituents and and how they saw the world um so you know sort of fast forwarding i was also I think because of when I entered the profession, I was always fascinated by models to kind of make journalism sustainable and 
think creatively about, you know, the models that we use for storytelling. Um, and so, you know, fast forwarded, I kind of transitioned more and more from being in the journalism end of it and the writing end of it to more of the business end and, and, um, and publishing piece. Um, Did you major in journalism and where'd you go to college? I went to Grinnell College in the middle of Iowa, uh, which does not have a journalism program, but has, you know, like good liberal arts colleges has a sort of thriving journalism community and publishing community nonetheless. And um, I got into political reporting there because I got to report on the um, 2008 uh, presidential race. And, you know, what's crazy about being a student in Iowa that no one, no one tells you is that, you know, it's sort of the best seat in the house for um, the presidential primaries. And so we got to interview, you know, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, um, Hillary Clinton, you know, they all came through. Uh, and so we, because it was a, you know, a small school that we, we mostly saw uh, Democratic candidates, but it was. It That's was really, really true. I mean, the best way now to get a political view is go to college in New Hampshire or Iowa. It's it's more true than I than I would have thought. I will. Say. You're going to make contacts that you wouldn't get in any other way. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was an interesting time because I was um, I graduated from college in 2008, and it was this time when things were changing so rapidly. And so you know, I would sort of wide eyed go up to famous reporters from the New York Times and say, oh, "I just want to be like you. I just want to be a reporter like you." And they would sort of say, "Oh, the industry—it's terrible. It's going in a bad direction." Um, but you know, kind of youth is you know sees no challenge and. <laughs> in in the you know the pessimism of their elders so I was sort of ready to ready to go go in with both feet even so is this the first magazine that you founded absolutely absolutely first magazine that I founded um and, I had did you see this niche this opening and, and uh, so how do you decide yeah, to so, so we were interested in two things so my, my partner and co-founder Kira um I came from more of a political reporting background and in news rap background she came from more of a literary background she had experience she'd um been a war correspondent in Yugoslavia um in the former Yugoslavia during the conflict but she had sort of moved more and more into the literary world um and she had been the executive editor founding executive editor of Lapham's Quarterly which is a magazine that's more about history and she and I had always been close friends and we'd always had this conversation that why is it when you want to talk about a location that you almost have to go to very different sources to get a full picture that if you want to learn about the politics the economics you're reading one set of magazines and books. If you want to read about the literature and the arts, you're at a totally different set of publications and books, let alone if you're sort of reading about, you know, cocktails and sports, right? And yet so you get these very different pictures of a place and yet we all know it's it's one place, right? And so Cuba is a great example of this. It is its political history. It's, you know, complicated um, records on, on human rights and, and speech. It's also its thriving literary scene you know, cultural arts scene. I mean, there, there's a lot of different pieces and it's very hard to get that window, let alone a window that's told by people from that location. And so we had always sort of talked about that and always said, wouldn't it be neat if, um, and then sort of things came together and uh, we both found ourselves sort of with the with the bandwidth and we thought, okay, this is this is kind of the moment we can't, um, can't let this go. And so we uh, launched launched a Kickstarter in, in the, in the, um, summer of 2018 and, and by the fall of 2018 uh, had, had published our first guide, which was to Mexico City. And you've just celebrated, like you said, your two-year anniversary. When you said Kickstarter, does that mean that you did that funding through some type of internet? We did an initial funding through Kickstarter, that's right. 
Um, and, and how much money uh, did you raise? What was your goal and how much money did you raise? We, by the skin of our teeth, we got $75,000, which was a, a very large project for sort of the publishing part of Kickstarter. And, um, and that sort of gave us the, the boost to get going. And so what did those investors get in return? Well, the, the main thing you got was a subscription <laughs> to the publication. And so at different levels, um, we you know included other other items. We worked with a uh, with a, a travel agent so people could get some um, travel advice. We you know got bags and t-shirts like any good Kickstarter. Um, and we also kept people informed through we we had launched a um, a, a newsletter early before we started called Field Guide, which was which we still still do every Tuesday, and that explores sort of the inverse of the magazine. So the magazine is one place from a lot of perspectives, and our um, newsletter was a theme across lots of places. So looking at spices or whiskey or voting, and like what does that look like in different parts of the world? Well, I have the stack of some of the magazines right here. This one is across the Mediterranean, and I wonder if we could just talk about it and, and tell our, our viewers, and let me remind all of you who are watching, go ahead and type in your questions and we'll work them into our conversation. But it's, it's just, it's so beautifully done. There are a few things that I note and I'd like you to comment on it. Um, one, the, the photos. I mean, it's a really photo essays as well. There's essentially no advertising. Um, so uh, tell us about how you, how you lay out, how you lay out the magazine. Absolutely. So our photography, we really feel like, um, you, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll back up slightly and say that we felt like there was a huge opportunity because in general writers, non-US based writers and, and especially non-Western based writers have a, have a tough time kind of breaking through and, and reaching um, American audiences. It's, it's really difficult, particularly as sort of the overall journalism ecosystem has dwindled um, and sort of shrunk over the, over the last few years. And so we really thought there was a huge opportunity to reach out to top name, you know, top notch writers and photographers and say, hey, we're, we're doing something and we'd love for you to, you know, tell us what's the story you wish people knew about where you're from or where you live. And I'd say that was all the more true for photography. There are fewer and fewer um, magazines that can really, that, that are print at the quality level that you need to give you really excellent photo essays and photo experiences. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on, um, that the guides are something you save and you can flip through. Um, and so one thing really led to another with photographers where now we have photographers coming to us saying, you know, we would love the opportunity to, to take photographs for you. Um, and so we, you know, and, and I would just expand that also to say that there are stories that are told sometimes in ways through images and photography that hit you in a different way because you're seeing them through that medium and not through words um, or, or multimedia, like through video, which we're so used to now with the internet. Um, and so it, even just in the two years that we've been doing the magazine, I think my understanding of what a photo essay is and can be has just greatly expanded. Like I just have even further um, respect for the, for the form. Um, so that's, that's the photo essay piece of it. So we always do at least two to three major photo essays in every guide. Um, and, that's, and that's something we- oh, this is a one, this one is, is very interesting. You know, tell, tell people about this, the edge of the night. In the edge of the night. Well, I didn't, I mean, this is one of the great things about this publication is I learned so much about every place that we cover. Um, so Edge of Night is a story by Robin Ross from our Texas guide, which uh, just came out. And as a native Texan, it was really fun to watch us put together a Texas guide and discover how much I didn't know about, about a state that I, you know, love dearly. Um, 
And the edge of night piece is on light pollution, which is a form of pollution we don't really hear that much about. And as the uh, as the guy, as a, the story points out, is a form of pollution is one of the easiest to combat. That that we can actually fix it and reverse the effects of it much faster than other forms of pollution. And it's a form of pollution that has real effects on animals, on you know plant life, and, and other forms of the ecosystem. And so. Um, Robin Ross wrote that piece looking at Texas's night skies and these um, scientists and activists who are really working hard to help us preserve nighttime, uh, which was not, not a topic I knew anything about. And now I really noticed, and I was just saying to my husband, we should really get out to the hill country and you know, experience like real night. So what about the timeline? I mean, I, I would think that there's a lot of planning and especially when you're working with other countries and writers that you may not know, you've got a long lead time. It varies a lot is the sort of the honest answer, right? So we are often working on multiple guides at the same time. Um, so if, if I look to last year, we, we did our Lagos, Lagos, Nigeria, um, Seoul, or South Korea, but with a heavy emphasis on Seoul, um, our Mediterranean guide and our Texas guide. And I would say that most of those guides were being um, commissioned simultaneously, um, particularly now that we can't, you know, um, until last year, we would always travel to the place, right? And a lot of our work ahead of time, a lot of that legwork happened in person um, in the location. That's obviously not possible now. Um, and so we've had to get more creative about making contacts and developing um, the kinds of conversations that, that ideally would be happening in person, um, but through Zoom and, and other ways um, and through sort of hosting like almost mini conferences with experts. Um, and that's, that's one of the things we do with Mediterranean um, to get those networks, right? So sort of bring together different people, um, gallery owners, writers, teachers, um, performers, right? All in one place. And they sort of start talking amongst themselves and we start saying, oh, can you connect us to that person? Can you make that introduction? Um, you know, but you're right, it does. It's, it's almost sort of like pulling a thread and one thing leads to another. And to how many issues are there per year? Four. Four is quarterly. Okay. Tell us about the different levels of membership and the importance of the website, because I realized that I had not been spending enough time on your website. Oh, wonderful. Well, yeah, our website is, is a lot of fun. So we have three levels. Um, the first level, the fellow traveler, um, you get your uh, welcome gift, which right, right now is a set of postcards um, with our covers on them. Um, our covers are all sort of original illustrations. So we think they're a kind of fun thing to celebrate. Um, at our, meet, our, our plus level, uh, we, you get what I think is a really exciting thing, which is access digitally to all of our back issues. Our, our fellow traveler members um, get. Dallas Baptist University is a global Christ-centered institution whose students are making an impact in business, law, medicine, education, public service, and the list goes on. DBU is honored to sponsor the Global IQ podcast, and to offer a significant scholarship for World Affairs Council members towards a master's in international studies. For further information about this scholarship or about DBU in general, email Lee Bratcher at leeb at dbu.edu. Digital access to the guides you know, that they've subscribed for. But if you upgrade to that plus level, then you can access every guide that we have, uh, which will be 10 as of the end of uh, this month. Um, and you also get a holiday gift as well. Um, and at our premium level, we actually have started sourcing very cool kinds of gifts and items um, from all over the world. And we send you six of those per year. 
Um, additionally, at the plus and premium level, starting uh, later on um, this month, we're going to be launching our events, our digital events series, and our plus and premium members will get access um, sometimes by invite only events that are only for plus and premium members or get um, get get uh, free tickets to uh, to ticketed events for um, for the general public. So we, 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 we touched on, on this a second ago, but there's no advertising. So no, so we, that model. yeah, absolutely. So, so we have a sort of unusual model. Um, one of the big things that we really prioritize above else is that our publications feel experiential, right? Like what we want, you know, this is air armchair travel, right? Is our topic. We want this publication for you to sit down and really feel transported, right? That you sort of are getting these stories that are in conversation with one another and that it's a really special experience. Um, and so to do that, we really prioritize not putting anything in the guide that's going to disrupt. Now, what we do do, and actually our Columbia guide will be the first to, to do this, is we do do sponsored pieces. Um, but those pieces we, we like to say are going to be at the same level of quality as the as the content you would find that's that's not um, sponsored. So our sponsored content would always be noted. You'll always, you know, we, we're always going to be really upfront if something's been paid for. But the quality of it, this isn't, you know, an ad for a car that you're going to, you know, flip past. It's a story that's still, you know, kind of living up to that transportive experience that we want to provide. And another thing that I thought was very interesting is, although you certainly are encouraging people or giving them you know, a, lot of, a lot of opinions and views about the different countries and, and areas that you've have, have addressed. There's also some pretty hard hitting stories, especially on, on Texas uh, about the death penalty. Yeah. <laughs> These aren't, these aren't like, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> no, we definitely don't. These are, I mean, we, we really want to challenge. We're, we're really mission driven, right? Like, and our mission is to, you know, we say challenge stereotypes and provide a global perspective. And so what we're really offering, we, you know, we don't ask people to agree with it. We don't, we don't pretend that like these are, you know, the be all end all of, of every piece, but we want to expose our readers to, you know, opinions and positions from people around the world that you might not have encountered before. Um, because I think, you know, and especially as we sort of enter this hyper-polarized period, both in the United States and around the world, you know, trying to bridge that a little by just offering um, offering these new perspectives. And so, yeah, we we don't, it's, it's not, it's transportive, but it's definitely not escapist. <laughs> Um, and I think uh, Texas is that way. Mediterranean, right? Mediterranean and Caribbean are two of my favorite guides that we've done. And they're both about places that I think for a lot of us as Americans, we sort of associate with like beaches and resorts and a good cocktail, right? And it is those things. I mean, it, it absolutely like the Mediterranean and the Caribbean are beautiful places that, to have a good time. But they're also places with a huge amount of conflict that are disproportionately impacted by a lot of you know global challenges and we want to talk about that too i think it's important for people who want to engage in travel and want to you know think of themselves as globe trotters to go into places with with an awareness of what the experience is for people who live there um, and for the things that you're kind of by definition not going to see right um we in our um Mexico City, which was our, our first guide, uh, one of one of my favorite pieces is about Tepito, which is a, a you know a neighborhood with a fairly uh, negative um, negative reputation of, and, and and a pretty violent um, set of incidents that that, that happen there on a pretty regular basis. Um, and this is it's a story that tracks a family that lives in Tepito and has has lived in Tepito for generations. 
Um, and we think that's a, it's an important story because as a, as a traveler, you're probably not gonna, you know, you're, you're not gonna encounter that experience. Um, and even if you kind of go looking for it, it's, you're, it's never gonna be like seeing it through, through the eyes of people who, you know, who, for whom it's their day-to-day -day reality. I have to laugh that our vice chairman, a man named David Jacobs, who travels all the time, he writes, Abby, congratulations on the magazine and newsletter. The magazine's very well done. Kudos to you guys. The reason I'm laughing is he goes in another question, I guess because he's vice chairman, he, he thinks he gets to you know, write a lot in the question box. Who knows more about Tunisia, you or Jim Falk? David Jacobs, we're gonna find that out because I'm encouraging Abby to do an issue on, on, on Tunisia. That's but right, right now I'm gonna give it to you, Jim, but you know, give, give, me, give me some time to get an issue together. And then... On a more serious note, how do you pick the countries? What goes into it? Oh man, well, it's a little bit of art and a little bit of science, right? So we always wanna make sure that in any year we're sort of hitting a diversity of places. We, we wanna um, hit a few continents at any given, um, ever, any given year. Um, we also like to sort of mix up country, region, um, city and US. So we, we always like to sort of at the end of the year, turn the camera inwards and pick a place in the United States that, um, that we can look at because we are a US based publication. Um, in, in our first year, we did that with the US national parks, um, which was fascinating and um, certainly taught me a lot about the US national parks and kind of the amazing, the amazing um, resource that it is and, and also some of the more troubling elements uh, in sort of establishing some of the parks. Um, the Texas guide uh, similarly, um, but we also do, you know, like I said, we, we do a city. So I think for, um, for this year, that was Lagos, Nigeria. Um, and this coming year, it's going to be Tehran, uh, which is a city that almost, you know, also sort of the city as we know it, and also the city um, in diaspora, right? Like what, what does it mean to be, you know, to identify a place that you can't go to anymore, right? That, that's sort of part of your heritage and part of your identity, but not, not accessible. Um, so sort of city loosely defined. Um, we always do a country. Uh, this year that's Colombia. Last year that was South Korea. Um, and we, and like I said, we, we try to do a region as well. This year that's going to be Scandinavia. Uh, last year that was the Mediterranean. What fun you're having. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So um, let's talk about Tehran. How, how do you go about, and this is a question from, from Kate that I'm slightly changing, how do you go about selecting con contributors for each issue? So how do you do it with Tehran? Yeah, so what we do is we start our, and our editor Kira is a master at this, she starts with um, an advisory board. And so it's finding people who aren't necessarily themselves going to be the writers, but people who can offer these perspectives and ideas of both about the kinds of stories that need to be told, right? Stories that are, are not being told other places, um, just stories that are fun or exciting. We try to have some stuff that just sort of out of, you know, out of left field, who would have thought of that, right? That are really fun. Um, amidst some of the stories, as you mentioned, that, are, that can be kind of harder and, uh, and heavier. Um, and so we bring together those kinds of groups of individuals. And like I said, you know, that can range from, gallery owners, performers, academics and teachers, um, politicians sometimes, right? Um, and sort of for, usually former politicians. Uh, um, and, and they come together and sort of help us think about the kinds of stories and then also usually bring with them a network of writers. Um, what's interesting is it, Tehran will be the second time that we're doing a place um, where there's a lot of dissident writers who, who are no longer located there. Um, we did that with Moscow. So with our Moscow guide, a number of the people who submitted um, 
stories for that are no longer based in Moscow um, or no longer based in Russia. Um, and do you so, pay the people who contribute? Excuse me? Or do you pay the people who contribute? We pay everyone. And that is actually, you're asking about our model. That's a really important part to us. Um, we feel like it's, it's not a, you know, journalism models that don't pay writers are, are not sustainable. And we also think that we're, we only work with really expert storytellers, people who really, you know, have devoted, you know, years and years and years to, to knowing how to tell a story well and beautifully. Um, and so we really try to reward that and, um, and make sure that we're paying, paying everyone fairly. Abby, highlight some of the names that are included in the issues. Well, my um, my favorite uh, name and, and somebody I'm most kind of pleased to have is Wole Shuyinka, who was one of the first, it was actually the first black Nobel laureate um, ever, uh, one for literature. And um, he had actually not written um, an original piece in, in about a decade and um, agreed to write this extraordinarily beautiful sort of um, history of Lagos sort of memories of Lagos uh, as, as sort of one of, you know, one of its most famous residents. Um, and, and so we've, we've worked, we always try to bring in um, some really famous big names and then also bring in up and comers who were hopefully elevating and amplifying through their association. So with um, Ireland, we had Cola McCann, who's a, a best-selling author. Um, South Korea has, has one of the best sort of new, newer writers, Chris Lee. Um, sort of moving on, you know, our, our Texas guide, we were really excited. We had some folks, Maurice Shama, who, who has the um, piece on, on the death penalty and its, and its history, uh, but also S.C. Gwynn on just his, uh, a, famous, a famous Texas writer, just on his thoughts about Austin and as a longtime Austinite, right? So we really run the gamut. We always also, you know, we're a women-led publication, which is unusual in journalism to have both a, a female publisher and an editor-in-chief. And so I think one thing we also um, are cognizant of is making sure that we're creating a lot of space um, for um, marginalized, you know, different kinds of marginalized groups. So we, we really try to give that thought in every guide, um, whether it's kind of gender balance or just um, minorities within a within a um, within a place whose whose voices aren't always elevated. Where is it published? Um, well, so so our our work is done between Oakland, California, and Austin, Texas, um, and then the actual magazine is printed currently in Lebanon Junction, Kentucky. This is one of one of the last place. You know, there aren't a ton of places anymore where you can really get the kind of quality publishing that we're after. Um, and, so. and I do want to stress, I mean, the quality of it is incredible. And when you look at the press coverage you've gotten and, you know, awards already, even in only two years, everyone talks about just the, ex and you're, you're really, you're just feeling like you're, you're, you're picking up a, a work of art. And uh, Well, that is absolutely the goal. So I'm really glad that that's how it, how it comes forth. So I, I, I guess we're all a bit more optimistic about the travel industry today than, than we were. Um, let's talk about it. Um, and yeah. I mean, it's been a year. It's so hard to believe it has been a year since we first started talking about, about COVID. And of course, none of us had any idea that we'd be in the situation that we're in now. It was crazy. So, uh, a so we're, we were an interesting, so, so we launched initially as, as a non-for-profit publication. Um, and I, that was most of my background as a non-profit publishing. Um, we remain very mission driven, but we're no longer a non-profit. And that was because we felt that while um, philanthropic emphasis was no longer on the humanities to the degree that it had been in the past, um, there was a lot of interest and excitement among 
partners in the travel industry who were asking us about the opportunities to work together. And so we decided that we would um, transition. We worked with our, our nonprofit board to transition from a nonprofit to a for-profit with the same mission and, and goals and outlook. It was really mostly about our, our business side. Well, we launched a supper club series the last week of February. <laughs> Um, we got, you know, we had um, many partnerships that were about to, we were kind of on the dotted lines, kind of end of February, and uh, we found ourselves changing our business model in a hurry in, in March. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I will say from, you know, sort of being that second tier, right, like the travel industry has to kind of bounce back and then have more money for marketing before we're going to feel the impact as a travel publication. Um, I think we're not we're not optimistic that we're going to see impact ourselves until probably like, you know, at best second part of this year, um, if, if not later. I mean, I, I think this, the, the vaccine rollout, hopefully we see, we see that start to pick up steam. Um, Cause I think that's hopefully our, our best, our best path forward for, um, you know, uh, as an aside, I gave a speech yesterday to the Rotary Club of Dallas and touched base with uh, a fellow at the DFW International Airport who handles um, st strategic initiatives. And he was mentioning that what you're beginning to see is a, a real rebound from Mexico yeah. and the Caribbean because that's short haul, but that it is going to take a, a long time before people are comfortable and saying jumping on a plane and, and flying to, to Delhi or Cairo. I think that's right. I think that's very true. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think, I think domestic travel will come back first, you know, I think, you know, Mexico and sort of staying in the hemisphere and, you know, it will, will come back second and then, um, yeah. And, and then you'll, you know, hopefully we start seeing those, uh, those longer haul trips in the, in the not too distant future. But I, I think it's, it's definitely. What, what are you, I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, Kirsten, who I know loves to travel and in fact was, uh, in the Middle East, right when COVID broke out and had a little bit of a challenge getting back home. What advice do you have for, for safe travel this year? Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert, so I, I certainly don't want to, um, you know, consult your doctor, right? Like, it's, it's my main, my main uh, advice to everyone. But, but I also think, I mean, it is really interesting because there are countries, um, and particularly in Asia, where you know, you, if you're willing to go for a long time, right, like, and, and that's maybe more available to some, to some folks than others, um, where you can quarantine and then really have a great time. I mean, my understanding is, you know, places like Taiwan, you, you know, it's very strict. You're going to be, you're going to be um, quarantined and, and go through, through quite a while in isolation. And then you, are out and about, you know, and, and it's a much more once once you get through that period, you're you're really able to, you know, jump into the, the streets and, and explore. Um, I think Europe is harder. Um, I think Europe is, is probably closer to, to the experience we're having in the US. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I think that's the other piece is that things are moving up and down. And so I mean, please- Israel is a real good example. I mean, you know, three or four months ago, Israel looked great. Now yep. they're doing another real severe lockdown. They're having a real severe lockdown, but also they've managed to, I think they're leading the world in vaccine rollout. So you may see that, you know, I mean, and so I think you, one of the bigger challenges is we're used to planning a trip six months out, right? We say, I'm going to, you know, here's my summer plans. That's what I would be, you know, in, in normal times be, be sort of planning right now. And I think that's very hard with COVID. I think you're looking at 
much more, you know, and that's, I think to your point about places like Mexico and the Caribbean, where we're more able to plan a trip in weeks, not months. You know, I was supposed to lead a trip last June to Antarctica, a cruise. And you know, I thought, well, after this, no way in hell am I going to get on a, on a cruise liner. But last night on CNN, I saw my, the first advertisement that I've seen in months for one of the, I think it was Norwegian cruise lines or something like that. So I, I think they're making- Well, and you know, they're trying to do these creative things. I don't know if you've seen these cruises to nowhere where they're yeah, doing they cruises where you get on the boat, you kind of like, see things, but you don't get out. Yeah, and, and they said it'd be safe and a bunch of people <laughs> got COVID on, on that. So not such a good idea. Yeah. What are some, and, and Rachel asked this, what are some of the places that we might not think of sort of like the New York Times, 52 places to visit. Right. Where would you, where do you want to go that you've not been to? Oh man, well, I really wanted to go to South Korea. I was, I was bummed that I did not get to uh, go to South Korea. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think we come from, we, we really are of the mind that almost anywhere is a place you can go. If you take precautions, you do the research, you do the work, right? Like to, to sort of know what, what you're getting into. I mean, there are exceptions that go, don't go to a place where there's, an active armed conflict um, in general. But, but there are a lot of places I think that are worth exploring. Um, and I think Americans in particular have gotten much more um, global in their, in their view of travel more recently. And I know that's probably due to work like the work of the World Affairs Council, right? So a great example, Colombia, where we're uh, doing our guide um, was not a place that I think most Americans would have thought to travel um, 10 years ago. And now is, is really throwing its doors open. Um, I mean, COVID aside, as, as a great travel destination and a place where you can really have just an extraordinary experience, both in the cities in Bogota and elsewhere. And also, I mean, in these extraordinary um, sort of natural preserves that they, that they have there. Um, and that in some ways are sort of more preserved as a result of having, having had the conflict, right? That, that um, companies didn't go in as much. And so you have, a lot more natural, natural beauty that can be explored now, um, and we actually have a piece on that in the in that guide. So that's well that's done. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's but, been a lot of people wanting to do adventure travel too. I got the uh, brochure uh, two nights ago from Backroads. You know, smaller group, get tested before, go ride your bike or hike, and, and you know, I think people are going to feel safer with that. Hey, Abby, you're going to love this. This is from one of my favorite members. Uh, Tarak Rajev. I sent the guide about Texas to my nephew, Cyril, in, uh, out, in uh, Saint-Mande, outside of Paris before Christmas. He's happy to have a chance to learn about the state where his uncle, his uncle America, <laughs> has lived for over 40 years. So there you go. You got... Oh, I love hearing that. I do. That, that makes me so happy because I think, uh, yeah, for those of us in Texas, it's really fun to have a little, a little way to say like, this is this is a taste of us. This is a window into into this, you know, very oh. complex place that's so often sort of caricatured, right? Um, I hate to go political, but I can't resist with what's happening in the last right. week in our country. Yeah. How do you think, and both of us have traveled a lot, how do you think what has happened is being perceived, say, in some of the countries that you've written, written about? And what are you hearing? Because Clearly, your network must be extensive. Our, I mean, we started hearing from our writers, right? And writers from places that 
you wouldn't necessarily expect with tremendous concern um, from from Nigeria, from Moscow, right? Like places that have struggled with their own, um, you know, sort of issues, right? Um, I mean, every country struggled with its own issues, but um, but I think it it really was shocking to a lot of people, and and we were talking about this, Jim, that that um, even if you're expecting sort of that you know rhetoric has consequences and, and that rhetoric can lead to violence. I think seeing those images in the Capitol were shocking to people. And it was interesting that the um shortly after um shortly after the uh the incidents on on last week, I got an email from a, a friend in the UK. He said, well, you know, we get more American coverage of the US than we do of the rest of Europe combined, right? That the, the US, US news really is broadcast worldwide. People all over the world know our political leaders um, to, to a great degree, not just our, our president, but, you know, senators, Congress people. And so I think it, the, the shockwaves are greater than I think some of us, you know, I mean, so many of us are sort of focused right now on, on what's happening here. And I think it's going to be a little while before we as a, as a country are sort of looking up to the degree that we probably want to and, and sort of looking around at, at other places. But I think it was really scary for a lot of people in countries who, you know, understand that the US hasn't, you know, has rarely, if ever, lived up to its promise and its potential. But that promise and its potential still have so much symbolic meaning around the world. You know, there was a really interesting article I read, I think, in the Washington Post last week, written by um, the, the writer who said, this is how we would cover this if it were happening in another country. There was right. an attempted coup in the Capitol and thousands of people, but and I think that's the way it's, it, it, it's being seen. All of our guides are evergreen. They're not, they're not, um, it's not like a typical magazine where they go out of date. Um, and so, you know, look through our, our um, full set of guides and you might see a place, you know, year one was Mexico City and Moscow and the Caribbean. You know, if those are places of interest, you can, you can still buy those guides as well. And we almost have a straddle book and magazine in there. And wasn't it fun to see the Texas Monthly uh, put it, uh, I guess, in the November issue as one of the right. top gifts to give? That was that made our that was definitely made my day for made my week that week. Yeah, it was it was great. And I think, um, you know, given that I mean, one thing we did in the wake of we were talking about sort of the travel industry, right? And we had to really as a as a small independent publication had to pivot in big ways. Um, but I think in some ways it was really clarifying for us because our mission at the end of the day is you know it's it's a little bit about travel, but it's really just about awareness and trying to think about encountering these, you know, other voices, other perspectives. And in a funny way, COVID highlighted for me how critical that work is, right? That in a time when borders are closed, we have to keep learning about other people and other perspectives. Um, it's critical to sort of this, you know, kind of moving in a, in a positive direction. And um, it was really wonderful to see as our year went on, we, we really did see an uptick in um, people wanting to give it as gifts, give it as gifts to young people, which made me really happy um, to sort of say, there's a world out there, even if you can't, if you can't get it, get to it right this minute. Um, here's, here's one way to sort of stay engaged. Can you buy it in a bookstore? You can. So we're in quite a few bookstores. We're in Barnes and Noble. We're in Whole Foods. Um, we're also in a number of independent bookstores. And if we're not in one that you like, ask for us and they can uh, they can get well, us there. It's a mile down the road in terabangbooks.com is 
our strategic partners. So uh, I'll go check to see, if, see, see if it's there. Is there anything else you'd like to, to tell our, our viewers? Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm so grateful that there are groups like World Affairs Councils out there because I, I think we really exist to to engage in conversation, right? We see every guide that we produce as um, as the pieces being in conversation and some some degree in conversation with the reader. Um, and I know that that work in a different form is happening in places like this. Um, the other thing I was just going to add about the way that we define our work, which I think is a little unusual, is that we really see travel. You know, I think in the US we talk about travel, we really mean kind of tourism, right? Like sort of travel that's for our own edification. Um, at Strangers Guide, we def define travel a little more broadly to mean when people mo are moving across place. And so um, one of the voices, one of the groups and topics that we really try to engage with on a regular basis are, um, are the experiences of displaced people and refugees, people whose you know, movement and travel isn't maybe you know, of a kind that they would have chosen, um, but nonetheless they're dealing with. And so I think that's something that, um, you know, I think this is a moment, you know, we're talking about uh, the, the events um, in the Capitol and, and uh, what's, you know, the events to come uh, in Washington. And I think this is such a critical moment for reflection um, as well as, you know, hopefully action, right? Not, not just reflection, um, but I think that we're really, you know, the, the role of storytellers is to aid that and to, to offer, perspectives and, and ways to engage and reflect um, in directions that maybe you wouldn't on your own have access to. Um, and so I, you know, I, I hope that we're a tool in that way, especially in this moment um, when I think, you know, the role of storytellers is important, right? Like how we tell, how we tell the stories, how we remember something um, is, is really, is really critical. Well, one of our, uh, active travelers, he's traveled to a few countries with me is Ray and Dion Termini. And he goes, asks, do you also offer a newsletter that is available more often than the quarterly guide? We do. So we have two newsletters. We have one, uh, we do a, do a Sunday reading every week, which is just an excerpt. Typically that has some relation, you know, it, it's um, sometimes it's just sort of some story that we love and sometimes it's uh, speaks to, to the current moment. Um, and um, and so we do that on every Sunday, just as a as a way to give you a little a little respite and a, a little bite sized reading. Um, but on Tuesdays we send out our field guides, and I love our field guide emails because they're the I think I was saying this before they're the inverse of our publication. Whereas our publication deep dives into one location and gives you arts and culture, politics, sports all around one place. Our field guides are designed to look at a theme across location. Um, sometimes that includes writing from um, new people. What it always includes is um, readings and excerpts from people around the world, uh, writers around the world. And so we, we do a different theme each week. We have one coming up on chocolate that's going to include an, a Q&A with um, two sisters who are Ghanaian chocolate makers. Um, but it's going to look at chocolate around the world from the fun and the the great stuff. Who doesn't love chocolate? To some of the more troubling stuff. That, you know, I mean, the... the um, supply chain and labor around chocolate is really troubling. Um, it's one of the industries that has yet to really grapple fully with child labor, right? So, those newsletters, Abby, is that, is that included in our basic subscription or? If you're not getting the newsletter, you can go, go to our website, strangersguide.com and click uh, newsletter and just put your email in and, and you'll, you'll start getting the newsletters. Um, I think our subscribers, um, 
yeah, it just in, it, you should be getting it. But if you're not, that's that's the fastest. I, I got your email address and cell phone. I know how to get it. You can get me, or just email me, and I'll and I'll take care of it. That's before, awesome. Before we uh, say uh, abiento, um, you know, I was thinking we're always looking at good for programs at the World Affairs Council, and it could really be fun to when you come out with each issue for us to do a program. Uh, where we focus on it. Now, I'm, I'm saying that, and as you know, I'm leaving the council in a few weeks, but um, so I, I'm leaving this uh, for my successor, but it could be a really nice way to have a- You a would love that. We would love, and, and I will say that um, our our editor, I mean, the stories, we've we've sort of been working actually in our uh, on our staff to sort of figure out how to collect and better tell the stories that we do, that we have from just putting these issues together because it's fascinating, right? I mean, we have worked now on five continents. Um, we've worked with all sorts of, you know, um, different writers, photographers with very different topics and matter. And um, sometimes the stories of getting the story can be as as fun um, and uh, you know how we how those stories kind of come to be right um, can be really interesting in our in our um, national parks guide we we talked to we worked with a photographer who had taken pictures from in the seventies of tourists at national parks and we decided it was just such an extraordinary set of photos that we included it in the guide and so Roger Minnick who took the photos extraordinary guy, um, quite elderly now, um, but had, had taken those photos years ago before, you know, camera phones, before, you know, and, and, the, and the photo essay is called Before the Selfie um, to sort of emphasize that. So we would, we would love that. We would love to sort of share, you know, what goes into each guide because it's, it's really fun. I think it'd be great. Abby, I'm so grateful to the Consul General of Ireland who introduced us several months ago. Uh, I think it's the beginning of a great relationship between the World Affairs Council and Stranger's Guide, and I've enjoyed getting to know you and want to encourage everybody to, to continue to read the Stranger's Guide, give it as gifts, and uh, Valentine's is coming up, you know, give it to your Valentine. And let me also remind you that we have, uh, to, to, to keep abreast of our programs, please go to dfwworld.org. Abby, if you're not yet a member of the World Affairs Council, we'll take care of that as, as well. Um, and there's a program that I want to be sure you know about that's going to be Wednesday, February 10th at 6 p.m., another global forum program. You never forget your first about, I'll just leave it at that. No, a biography of George Washington by Alexis Coe and our good friend Jeff Engel from SMU will be leading that armchair conversation. I hope you'll consider to, to continue to support our World Affairs Council. You can always do that by uh, texting the word DFW World to 44321. Uh, have a great rest of your evening and thanks again for joining us. Stay safe, everyone.